Greetings everyone, this is Life Coach D coming at you with the Live Series. And today's subject matter is from 1776 to 2021. What does freedom and independence really look like? Stay tuned. Greetings everyone. This subject matter may be a bit controversial for some, so I would advise early that if you are not a fan of blunt truth, history being revealed, and things being exposed that is not normally taught or highlighted, I encourage you to stop here and don't proceed forward. However, for anyone else who's willing to embrace the truth, the truth of this country's past and history, and you're willing to learn and grow, stay tuned. As mentioned before, I want to use this episode as a means to commentate some different advice, biblical clarity, knowledge, understanding, and even political insight so that I can empower the listener. Here's a blast from the past. May he rest in peace. Dr. Frederick Price, Sr., 1996, Race, Religion, and Racism. And then they killed Abraham Lincoln. And your next president that came up vetoed the idea. And we were emancipated with nothing. But uh, over the holidays, I had an opportunity to put it into operation. I think everybody in America knows about the game called Monopoly. Anybody ever play Monopoly? Raise your hand. Well, anyway, if you know anything about Monopoly, every player starts out with $1,500. Well, I wanted to play the advocate, the black advocate. So we played Monopoly the other night and I didn't take any money. I, 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 I wanted to take the place of the slaves that were emancipated in 1865, who did not get to 40 acres or the mule. And so I took nothing. Now I, I survived for a few times around the board. But I couldn't buy nothing. And it was very soon I was out of the game. Now you would say that that is unfair to have somebody sit down at a table and play Monopoly and not give them the $1,500 to start with. But that's what this country did with our people when they emancipated us. the unmitigated gall to wonder why we don't do better. And you started out with $1,500 and we started out with nothing. And they know that if we ever let these black people get equality, that they will take over. They will be on the top of everything. And watch this, watch this. Every place they have let us in, we rose to the top. Every- I have had nothing but love and respect for Dr. Frederick Casey Price, who is now gone to be with the creator and may he rest with the ancestors. What I love about this is that he made it very clear in this particular episode of race, religion, and racism, the inequality that started 
from what was supposed to be the emancipation of black folks. At this juncture, I would like to tie in him with his son, who is now doing a series called Race Division and Racism, and get biblical clarity as to who we are as a people, our origin, and he's going to bring a lot of clarity throughout this episode on what has been misconstrued, how scripture has been misinterpreted, poorly communicated, and really used to create and allow a capitalistic system to continue from the inception of this country. When we declared our independence from Britain, and I'm saying we because I'm an American, that's all of us. Were we there then? Nope. Were black people considered? No. But nevertheless, we are all a part of the United States of America. So America, in her beginnings, as an independent nation that goes back to that date, July 4th, 1776, we celebrated every year, fireworks, barbecue, etc., I'm curious as to why slavery wasn't abolished right then and there. I mean, slavery was instituted when America was under the covering of the British Empire. And the British Empire, along with other European nations, are the ones who set out to enslave West Africans. So if we were declaring our independence from Britain, and why didn't we remove slavery from our nation since we were declaring separation from them? Why wasn't it abolished at the end of the war in 1783? The War of Independence or American Revolutionary War. There are a number of political reasons that one could bring up here, but here's the bottom line and the one constant, the constant, the bottom line and one constant. The Negro was still looked at as cattle and a beast of burden. I say, wake up to the listener. It's time to learn. This is what a lot of churches should be talking about instead of perpetuating this fallacy that slavery was not completely advocated and promoted by the church and its institution. Let's continue listening. Now, the faith of the British Empire was Christianity. You may recall Two weeks ago, we went over a number of scriptures that were used and abused, taken out of context to support this endeavor. Scriptures from both the Old Covenant as well as the New Covenant. I find it interesting, speaking of the New Covenant scriptures, in which there are those that say, bond servants, honor your masters. Yet the same New Testament says, who the Son sets free is free indeed. The dangers in proof texting. But the benefits of proof texting, if my audience doesn't know or has absolutely no clue what I'm talking about. And if they can't read, that's a plus. The specific denomination was the Church of England, out of which came Anglicanism. The church, of course, gave its approval for Britain to enslave. If America was now on its own, did that also mean it stepped away from the faith of its previous covering nation? That's something we'll cover very soon. Now, there was also a group known as the Committee of Five, members who drafted the Declaration of Independence and presented it to Congress. 
that included Adams, Franklin, and Jefferson, but also Robert Sherman and Robert Livingston. The latter two would also be considered founding fathers. And then there's the group known as the Signers, 56 in total, who are also generally considered founding fathers of our nation. And there are others that are also considered founding fathers. We want to focus on these seven key founding fathers of America. Now for clarity and to reiterate what I said earlier, this was not to say that we should not speak on the message of a risen savior, but also not to negate the fact that systemic racism existed and still has remnants in the church today. So as you continue listening, you will continue to be enlightened and brought to a place of understanding that until we're willing to speak the whole truth, even from a biblical perspective, then we're constantly in a place where scripture has been manipulated and even capitalism has been promoted to make us think that this is a way of living and that God completely promoted this lifestyle that has now perpetuated into over 401 years of enslavement. Stay tuned and continue listening. Stay attentive at this point because he's going to focus on the founding fathers, talk about the 16th, 17th, and 1800s, and how slavery had already existed in Northern America with the enslavement of the Red Man, a.k.a. the Native Americans. Now I want to focus on our founding fathers. Now, when you say founding fathers, a number of names are mentioned. We're going to cover those that many recognize as the seven key founding fathers of America. John Adams, Benjamin Franklin, Alexander Hamilton. Anyone seen the Hamilton stage play, by the way? It's really good. John Jay, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison, and George Washington. We want to focus on these seven key founding fathers of America. Those who birthed the nation. Those responsible for us declaring our independence from Britain. Now, slavery was legal in the United States at its birth pre-July 4th, 1776, because it was already practiced in North America. The English colonizers enslaved the native red men and then the African, West African, black man. How did the seven key founding fathers view slavery? Now, I made a statement. I believe this was three weeks ago, two or three weeks ago. About the idea back then that all men are created equal. But if you don't think certain ones are men, then they're not included in that equality. And black people in the 1600s and the 1700s and the 1800s were not considered fully human. And black people in the 1600s and the 1700s and the 1800s were not considered fully human we were low beneath the superior 
European who believed that this was divine providence and the will of God. So how did the seven key founding fathers view slavery? We're declaring our independence. We're no longer under you, Britain. And Britain, you along with other European nations, you began this peculiar institution. Remember, slavery's been around for a long time. Slavery's been around since antiquity. Numerous world powers enslaved people. As a matter of fact, they enslaved everyone who wasn't them. When you go back and look at slavery in, in ancient days, you see blacks enslaving blacks, Europeans enslaving Europeans. I mean, the Roman Empire, I mean, they were the best at enslaving everyone who wasn't Roman. To be Roman was to be perfect. Everyone else, even if they looked like a Roman, if they weren't a Roman, they were less than a Roman. Here's what I've talked to people about over and over again, even as it pertains to the term racism. I say all the time, racism has nothing to do with the color of someone's skin because there's only one race, it's the human race. But there's diversity in ethnicities and such. However, capitalism has always been the name of the game as it pertains to racism. It started off as a construct and it was a game from the beginning on who could reach the top and who would be put on the bottom based on a system. Continue listening. But this institution was very peculiar. Out of this birth, this construct called racism. Why do I say construct? Because that's doing money, economics. And who's winning the race? Our first president, George Washington. Father of this nation. Some would say, some would, some would, would, would identify him even separately from the other fathers as the father of this nation. George Washington owned over 600 slaves. How about this? Before his presidency, during his presidency, and after his presidency. And, and we declared our independence in 1776, four, uh, 13 years later, 1789. That's when George Washington was president. And, and he would be president until uh, 1797. So before his presidency, during his presidency, and after his presidency, George Washington had over 600 slaves. How about John Adams? Our second president. John Adams was vehemently and adamantly against slavery. And he taught it to his son, John Quincy Adams, who would go on and become our sixth president. So that's that's an interesting dynamic. We have here our first president, George Washington, that face you see on our one dollar bill. Had 600 plus slaves. Before, during, and after his presidency. The next president who follows is against it. These are our founding fathers. So you can imagine there would have to be some debate and contention with these personal belief systems and convictions about enslaving another human. I shared this with you. The Genesis 126 
God says, let us make man in our image and according to our likeness and let them have something. Let us make man. Not any particular man, mankind. Let us make mankind in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over what? Over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the beasts of the field, and every creeping thing on the earth. You know what's absent from that list? Other humans. God never told man to subdue man. This is super clear. If anybody doesn't know scripture, Genesis 1 26 said, and God said, let us create man after our image and after his likeness and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the beast of the field and over everything that creeps upon the earth. God never told us to have dominion over another human being. Continue listening. Other humans. God never told man to subdue man. He told man to subdue the rest of his creation. So we see that slavery is a perversion of God's dominion. It is the result of sin and depravity. As well as selfishness and pride. John Adams, 1797-1801. Did not agree with George Washington or the president who would follow. Did not agree with their views on slavery. Next we have Thomas Jefferson. Boy, Thomas Jefferson was a piece of work. And here's why Thomas Jefferson was a piece of work. I may laugh while I'm reading this because it's kind of hilarious. But it's the kind of laugh you laugh in order not to cry. Thomas Jefferson, our president from 1801 to 1809. Frequently, everybody say frequently, frequently, Thomas Jefferson frequently would condemn slavery, condemn it. He even tried to stop it from expanding. And while he was president, he oversaw the abolition of the international slave trade. At this juncture, and because I work with youth, of all ages the gen z generation right now will say facts and then they will say bruh these are our founding fathers all men are created equally and i'm sorry it's 2021 you know where you find equality you find that in the kingdom of god outside of the kingdom of god when I'm sitting back and I'm observing all of the fights, all of the fights, political fights, fights rooted in activism, wars for liberation and independence. When I look at all of these things and I understand that that while it's in our na nature to be led, it's not in our nature. We buck against bondage. But when you look at the world system, who runs the world system? The devil runs the world system. And I'm telling you, as long as we have a devil, we're going to continue to have everything we're fighting against because it's his system. See, we as the people of God, we've been called out of the devil system to live under and according to God's system. So really, when everyone looks at the planet and they see the world, they should see this one particular group that stands out from the rest of the world called the church.
and things should be governed differently within the framework of the church. The culture of the kingdom should be in diametric opposition to the culture of the world. So while we're talking about things that happened hundreds of years ago, ladies and gentlemen, it's still here. It has a different scent, different look, but it's still here. Let me interject here by saying he's absolutely right. There's one thing for the kingdom of God to look a certain way. And there's another thing for the enemy's kingdom, Satan, his kingdom to look a certain way. However, there must be a real reality check by the church to make sure that we're not mixing kingdoms, that we're not our race or our particular ethnicity before we are believers. And in a lot of ways, that's what's going on. And until we're willing to be who we are called to be, we cannot be that beacon of light that he says the world is looking for. We just blend in like everyone else. Continue listening. Thomas Jefferson, a man whose words lined up with John Adams' convictions and belief, and that was John Adams' practice, and that was John Adams taught his son, John Quincy Adams, but Thomas Jefferson had more slaves than George Washington, and George Washington had over 600 slaves. Oh, but here's another intriguing fact about our beloved Thomas Jefferson. He liked dark meat as well as white meat. I wonder why that was. He owned the most slaves of all presidents and he has six children with a slave girl by the name of Sally Hemings. Oh, she had to be fine because she was mixed. Even though mixed doesn't just automatically mean fine. But clearly, she had his attention. Because he became her baby daddy. But here's where it gets interesting. Sally Hemings was the half-sister of his late wife. Martha Skelton Wells. And here's what's interesting about Miss Martha. She was a child of Martha Epps Wells and John Wells and and Martha would, would become a slave trader just like her daddy, John Wells. And her daddy, Mr. John Wells, well, guess what he did? He entered into a relationship with a, a, a mixed slave girl by the name of Betty Hemings. And Betty Hemings had six of his kids like Sally Hemings had six of Thomas Jefferson's kids. Like father-in-law, like son-in-law. The fragrance is still here. I'm sorry. Oh, folk don't like their feathers ruffled. They don't like to be uncomfortable in the church. But where else are we going to talk about it? That's Thomas Jefferson. Now, now, some people are probably upset right now. And all I would say is refute what I'm saying. I don't want to hear about disagreements. Refute it. Show me evidence. Washington didn't have 600 plus slaves. Show me evidence that Jefferson didn't have more than that. I mean, can you, ima can you imagine hearing someone speaking against slavery, knowing that behind them is their cattle? James Madison. Our fourth president, 1809 to 1817, he owned 100-plus slaves. 
before and during his presidency. Washington, in his will, said upon his death, uh, or upon his, his wife's death or his death, I may, I may be getting it mixed up, that his slaves could be free. Madison, in his will, he didn't say they could be free. These are our fathers. America has always been on paper an ideal place, and it has fundamentally these ideals. All men created equal. Land of the free home of the brave. But these ideals and these statements were never for all men because the institution of slavery and the written constitution stated that black folks were property. And the remnant is still here because it's living out its very written declaration. Continue listening. And you know what America is? When you look at America on paper, there's no other nation you'd want to live in. It, it embodies everything that you'd want from a nation, the land of opportunity. And yet it hasn't been so ideal for everyone, has it? Today, it's still not ideal. There are discrepancies in the systems of this country. Some might say systemic racism, that's a myth. Look at statistics. Statistics will tell you everything. Let's look at the facts. And you know what? We can't rule out statistics. But at the same time, we still have to look at the climate, the scenery, the neighborhoods. How many blacks own Fortune 500 companies? How many blacks own Amazons and Apples and Googles, etc.? Because we started the race like, what, a hundred and something years after the ones who came here and took the land from the natives did? The fragrance is still here. Benjamin Franklin, he owned slaves, but eventually he would push for the abolishment of slavery. Alexander Hamilton is not known to have owned slaves. And in fact, would also push for the abolition, the abolishing of slavery. And then John Jay, right? These are seven. Washington, Adams, Jefferson, James Madison, Benjamin Franklin, Alexander Hamilton, John Jay. He owned slaves, but would eventually push for the abolishment of slavery. So you see, some, some believed in having slaves and then saw the light later pushed for the freedom of not just their slaves, but slaves being free in general. Some were against it from the beginning, like a John Adams, like an Alexander Hamilton. Some had them, had a whole lot of them. And some spoke against it and had a whole lot and dipped into the ladies. Those are our beginnings. And there you have the first seven presidents of the United States, some very conflicted in their souls about what was written in text, some very proponents for what was written. Nevertheless, there was a lot of things going on and slavery yet succeeded and continued after these seven. Continue listening. 
and I'm I'm in awe of this of this idea that this was the will of God. I I, I just I can't I just I can't get over that one. When the Bible's very clear out of one blood, he created all men. Go to Acts 12. Out of one blood, he created all men. Men were made in the image of God. But God cursed Ham, didn't he? And he cursed him with blackness. Therefore, black's a curse. If that's the case, there's a whole lot of people that were cursed then. Because you had black people, what we call black people on the planet before you had what we call white people. That's Bible. That's history. That's anthropology. Those are facts. I don't know how you read Acts 12. Amongst the many other scriptures. But this one, this is just. Oh my goodness. And why do I feel that this is important? I feel that this is important because today in 2021, we still have a whitewashed Bible. And the Bible ain't white. Can we call a spade a spade? Call it like it is. Say what it is. Don't lie. Adam's white. Eve is white. Jesus is white. The angels are white. Moses is white. The disciples are white. Where do we get all that from? And guess what? See, that's, 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 I'm sorry, that's white supremacy in the confines of the church. The one place it definitely should not be. That's white supremacy in the church. Because once again, if all of them are white and I'm white, I'm closest to them. And anything less than white, you're furthest from them. God might consider saving you three-fifths of a man. And those that want to perpetuate this same ideology of how the inception of this country got it wrong and made everything that was told from a certain narrative continually be perpetuated in the church today is a no-no. And this is why I say once again, this subject matter must be addressed in the church. Because until it is addressed, we could never be the example that the world needs to change. Verse 1 of chapter 13. You guys ready for this? This is now in the church. In the where? In the church? The ecclesia? The community of, of Christ followers? This is now in the church that was at Antioch. There were certain, ooh, look at this. There were certain prophets and teachers prophesying about what? Teaching about what? The Christ? The word of God? Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. Who was first on that list? Barnabas. And who was second? Simeon, who was called Niger. I just want to let that sit for a second. You, if you'd like, you can go to your map of Africa right now and just see if you stumble upon a nation called Niger. Lucius of Cyrene, 
and Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and then there's Saul. That would be North Africa. You remember the man of Cyrene that helped Messiah carry his cross? Now, of course, then it 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 either wasn't or had been recently the the landmass that we call Africa today. Early on, like when you look at the table of nations, if you notice, actually throughout scripture, you notice there's no mention of continents. Asia is mentioned, but it's not talking about all of Asia. It's only talking about certain parts of Asia. But the other six continents that we know today are not mentioned in scripture. Go back to Genesis 10. There's no mention of continents. Just these sons that came from these sons and out of them came nations, came tribes. And when you look at Ham, it's interesting. Who were Ham's sons? Cush, Put, Mizraim, and Canaan. That, that's not West Africa. That's not Central Africa. That's not South Africa. The nations that came out of Ham only cover that top portion. And then in some of our oldest maps, it doesn't even say Africa. It just says Libya. Across the whole Libya here, here, or Ethiopia here, Libya here, or Ethiopia here. That's it. All right, so Kush gives us Ethiopia, gives us uh, Somalia and Eritrea and, and, and uh, gives us uh, Sudan, uh, the kingdom of Nubia, which was on the uh, uh, southern border of Egypt and the northern border of Sudan. And then we get put, who gives us L Libya. And guess what was included in Libya? Cyrene, as well as the nations that would become Algeria, Morocco, Tunisia, and then, of course, Canaan, which which Canaan leads out of Africa onto what would be called Asia. Right there, the Levant, that's where Israel is today. It's where Canaan was. It's, it's where uh, Philistia was. So, so Lucius of Cyrene. So there's a high probability that this Lucius, and that's interesting because that's a Latin name. Be curious as to what his, his original name was. Uh, this Lucius of Cyrene, high probability that he was he was dark skinned, brown skinned, somewhere in there. But this Simeon, Simeon, who was called Niger, you want to know what Niger means in the Bible? You ready for this? It's deep. You need to put your seatbelts on right now. Put your seatbelts on right now. Want to know what Niger means? Black. Well, it's evident that the founding fathers of our nation didn't see eyes to eyes on the subject of slavery. Why then didn't it end immediately? Well, those in opposition towards it received pushback from those in favor of it. However, even those who were for the abolishment of it had concerns about how it might negatively affect the progress of the country. So political reasons thwarted it coming to an end as well. So, as I segue into some of the more political aspects of things, I thought it was definitely worth you guys listening to the spiritual aspect of this thing. Because I'm a firm believer, if we don't get this thing right spiritually, then mentally and physically, it'll never balance itself out. Additionally, I have so much respect for this ministry who chooses to talk about these very real issues and these systemic issues that other churches are trying to avoid because they want to avoid controversy, but yet they want to continue to perpetuate excuse me, perpetuate this message of Christianity being whiteness or them being synonymous 
when it could not be further from the truth. That's why it's so important to understand vertical relationship over horizontal agendas, horizontal misconception, horizontal confusion, and things that are simply just not the heart of God. I will now transition. By 1900, there were about 20,000 black-owned businesses in the United States. They were anchors of black communities in the North and the South, including Memphis, Tennessee. Washington starts the National Negro Business League, which becomes this incredible network of entrepreneurs across the country who meet for conventions, support one another, and show each other that they can make it in this capitalist society. So I started this part of the episode off with sharing how many prominent businesses had started arising in the early 1900s, but this is very short-lived. And the following massacres and lynchings took place because of white vitriol, jealous and hatred that black people were having and creating sustained communities. They are as follows. The first one was the People's Lynching of 1892, which took place after 11 business owners started a co-op and opened up a grocery market. Because of the hatred and the vitriol of another white grocer, who was the only other grocer in the city, an altercation occurred and essentially these men were taken out one by one. An entire community was threatened, 60 people were murdered, and the business was purchased for an eighth of its worth by that same white grocery owner. The second example of many, and I'm only going to give four in this particular episode, was the massacre in Wilmington, North Carolina, based on a coup d'etat, where white supremacists were angry because a black sustained community had won favor and elected black officials to run the community. It started off with them murdering 60 people and then setting the fire a newspaper a successful black newspaper. This, uh, once again, was a massacre in North Carolina and a coup d'etat where white supremacists overthrew a very legal election because of white supremacy. The next one took place in 1921 which has just gained some recent traction as a result of the 100 year anniversary, and that is the massacre in the Greenwood District of Tulsa, Oklahoma. This was the first reported domestic terrorist act, white supremacist terrorist act by plane. Most will say that it's 9-11, but it is not. The first domestic terrorist act by white supremacists in this country was on its own citizens, and that is in the Greenwood District of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Once again, you had a self-sustained community that had fully operative and very advanced technology with a full-ran community where money changed hands at least 11 to 19 times before it ever reached out that community. White supremacists started a fight and they essentially killed over 300 people, burned the community completely down, and none of them paid a price for it. None of the black citizens of that community were able to collect insurance on it, and it is reported that even today there are bodies that are still buried 
um, as a result of this massacre. Once again, that is the Greenwood District of Tulsa, Oklahoma, the Black Wall Street. And lastly, the massacre in Rosewood, Florida, where once again, angry white citizens turned their anger and their jealousy and vitriol on a black community, completely destroying the community and driving those who were left out of the community. These are four different examples of what has happened in this country. Every time African-Americans had gained some type of success and leadway and started something for their own. This goes back to the systemic issues that we've never addressed and talked about. This is once again why economically we are on the bottom of every category because every time African-Americans have come together and tried to do something successfully as a group, white supremacy has destroyed it to the core. As a caveat and a disclaimer, some language in here may be a bit offensive. It's only one segment, but it's noteworthy. And this was an opinion someone had as they were making a clear case as to why they felt like the June 19th holiday proposal was not something that should be super celebrated when there are so many other things that is going against it. So once again, it's a caveat. There is some explicit language, but it's just one segment. Just wanted to make you guys aware. ourselves, are we? We made Juneteenth a federal holiday, to which I'd say, who gives a fuck? We didn't ask you for that shit. There's an anti-lynching bill, where the fuck is that? There's an anti-black hate bill, where the fuck is that? Republicans are actively trying to stop the black vote in several states, including Texas. But Juneteenth is a federal holiday. This, ladies and gentlemen, is placation. Once again, black America is being given some bullshit to go, shh, could you just be quiet? Could you just go away? No, fuckers. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt and the jacket. We asked you to fix shit. So fix shit. So as you just heard the young man, although he used very explicit language, he talked about several things that are not even being looked at that are very, very pivotal to what is going on in this country. He talked about the anti-lynching bill and I mentioned in some of the segments prior that one of the massacres dealt with two men being lynched. It is people in this Congress today who have voted no to saying that lynching is illegal. I will let that sit with you right now. Also, because of the successful election of our current president, Joe Biden, there have been 389 bills introduced in government houses across this country, predominantly in the South and some of the middle of the country that will allow voter suppress, excuse me, voter suppression to continue. Back in the day, this was called the Southern strategy. The Southern strategy is still alive and in full effect today in 2021. These are things that must be addressed. These are things that we're not talking about. But as we continue on, you will see how far this goes back and how some of this history is yet repeating itself. It's Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. back in 1963. 
I think the tragedy is that uh, we have a Congress uh, with a Senate that has a minority of misguided senators who will use the filibuster to keep the majority of people from even voting. They won't let the majority of senators vote. And certainly they wouldn't want the majority of people to vote because they know they do not represent the majority of the American people. And if all this takes eliminating the filibuster, another Jim Crow relic, in order to secure the God-given rights of every American, then that's what we should do. The filibuster, Manchin and Cinema are determined to defend, wasn't created to bring opposing parties together to create some sort of kumbaya bipartisanship. We saw that today. It is a long, disgraceful history of being abused to block civil rights and voting rights bills. Facts first here. Used to preserve slavery in the 1840s before it was even called a filibuster. Used to defeat an anti-lynching bill in the 1920s. In 1957, Senator Strom Thurmond took to the floor to filibuster the Civil Rights Act, speaking for a record 24 hours and 18 minutes. In 1964, the longest filibuster in Senate history, 60 days almost derailed that landmark Civil Rights Act. 1983, Senator Jesse Helms finally dropped his filibuster, attempting to block the bill, declaring Martin Luther King Jr. Day a federal holiday. Is a filibuster really worth more than voting rights for millions of Americans? That is Mitch McConnell today makes a breathtaking statement that there's nothing broken about the country and the system worked on January 6th. I can't believe he said that, but here it is. There's nothing broken around the country. The system upheld very well during intense stress in the latter part of the previous Congress. Uh, there's, there's, there's no rational basis for federalizing this election. Therefore, there's no point in having an election in the U.S., uh, a, a debate in the U.S. Senate about something we ought not to do. Once again, Senate Republicans have signed their names in the ledger of history along Donald, alongside Donald Trump, the big lie, and voter suppression to their enduring disgrace. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, what I would call taxation without representation. You have a lot of things going on today where the people who are supposed to be representing its constituents are only serving their own purposes and agendas. It's not about what's right. It's really about how I can win. And unfortunately, a Republican Party of today is one that is led by people who are not representing its constituents as a whole. Now, there's a lot of things to be said about what has happened here in the last four to five years, but it can all be summed up as systemic racism still exists. It's a problem we've never truly addressed. And this is why we see the overflow and the aftermath that we see right now. I would like to take this time to give a huge thanks to Frederick Price Jr. of Crenshaw Christian Center. If not for his wisdom, insight, bravery, and his willingness to pick up where his dad left off by doing this series called Race, Division, and Racism, this podcast could not be as successful as I believe it was. Once again, thank you so much for what you do. And I encourage anyone who would like to know and hear more to check out 
Ever Increasing Faith Ministries, either on Facebook, where they go live every Sunday, or on the Ever Increasing Faith website and or app. So for those of you who endure this entire podcast, I say kudos to you. As I stated earlier, my heart behind this entire episode was to share some things, first of all, spiritually, because I believe biblically and clarity biblically will set us free in so many ways. And then secondly, I ended with the political side of things because it must be noted that there is a fallout and an aftermath of Christianity and white supremacy in this country being completely okay with slavery being a part of who this country is described as who it's known as it's part of the dna but thank you for enduring this whole entire podcast i hope that you learned something i hope that it helped you to know that there's a very dark past that we need to address we need to talk about because the only way we could heal is to talk about it, address these things and then move forward but yet there's an agenda to try to make things go away but simply making things go away does not remove trauma does not remove systemic issues of race and does not remove any of the fallout and uh, the experiences that black folks in this country who i would say is the global majority it doesn't stop us from feeling and experiencing what we have it also does not stop what has happened and been handed down to us which is poverty at its best so we need to really come together. We need to be willing to look at this thing for what it is and make some changes. Talk about these things so that we can move forward. I say it first needs to be exposed to the church where judgment starts first because the world is going to do what it does. So once again, I hope this was an encouragement to you all. So to you guys hear from me again, I want you to remember that your lives are very valuable. Much love. God bless you and peace be the journey.